ever wonder what parenting is really like? Do you think that you're the only one that's struggling? Or have you missed out on that amazing hack everyone was talking about? Well, that sounds like you. Grab a seat and get comfy, as you'll be hearing real-life stories from parents that are on the same collective journey, a little thing called parenthood. We'll hear from parents, caregivers, and experts as we fumble through this wonderful path together. I'm your host, Rashida, and welcome to the Parents Connecting Podcast. Hi, everyone. It's Rashida, and welcome back to the show. Today, you're going to be hearing from my guest, Billy, who is coming to us from Bulgaria, which is fantastic because it just shows you that we know as fellow moms, we can relate to each other on so many different levels. We do not have to be from the same state, from the same city, from the same country, or even the same continent. There are things that we can relate to, and you will hear our conversation throughout where the things that we say to each other resonate, right? If you have multiple children, if you're trying to raise kids, you're trying to be a better parent, it's universal. So I'm really excited to share this episode. And to give you a little background about Billy, she is a mom of three girls and she is the host of her own podcast. It's called Unlock Your Child's Full Potential. And so in this episode, we talk about what it's like to have multiple children. We talk about self-care and we talk about valuable lessons that we can teach our kids and ourselves, really, as we raise our kids. And stay tuned, because they also discovered about halfway through this conversation a whole new world about book summaries and recommendations. So um, so listen, and she's got a couple of uh, good book recommendations as well. So take a listen and enjoy. Well, hi, Billy. Welcome to the show. I'm super excited to talk with you. I feel like we can relate on multiple levels with having multiple children. And I'm really looking forward to uh, having this conversation. Thanks for being on. Hi, Rashida. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited too. Well, so why don't we just dive right into it? Um, Tell people where you live, how many kids you have, and how long you've been together in a relationship. Okay. So I live in Bulgaria, Europe. I have three kids, ages nine, seven, and four. I've been with my husband since college. So it's like... uh, I guess, 17 years now, happily married, sharing the same interests. So what kind of interests do you guys have together? Because that's that's fundamental, I think. Uh, we studied economics and we are both passionate about investing. So we do our research together and we manage our portfolio together. And although I've been a stay-at-home mom for quite some time, I still feel included and I keep my mind busy. Oh, that's great. So three children that are, it seems like just a few years apart from one another. Tell me, how was your experience of a first child and then the second and third? And let's get into how it changes over time. I have two kids myself. and I'm curious what happens after number two. It's, it's, it's the same from the one to two from two to three. So uh, how did that go for you? Oh, well, I imagined it could be easier. It would be easier because how much can a third child add, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> well, it gets two adults against three children. <laughs> That's <laughs> a different dynamic. Yeah, we're outnumbered. But it's so fun because we are a whole tribe. We don't need anybody else. They get along very well, actually. 
they have some conflict, but other than that, they support each other. They're best friends. There's a lot of competition, but I think that's useful up to some point. So as a mother, I just expanded my capacity. <laughs> that's yeah. what it happened. <laughs> I, like, I like how you said that. Expanded your capacity. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Having one kid was difficult and the grandmas helped and I had a lot of support. After having my third one, nobody really cared. I was having the baby, getting the other ones to kindergarten and taking care of the household. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so are they all like girls, boys, mix of them? There are three girls. So when you went from one girl to two, it sounds like they're about three years apart. So what did your second feel go through that jealous period of, because I feel like girls and boys are different and every, and every kid is different, but I'm curious how your kids handle the addition of a baby. Pretty well, actually. The, the oldest one was still a baby when we had the second one. So she was just used to having a, a sister from the beginning. I don't think she she felt any jealousy or at least I didn't feel it and then having the third that added some different dynamic because uh, she's always seeking attention from day one but the good thing was that uh, the two older sisters had each other so that is is things on this and are they are they alike temperamentally because I think I have a boy and a girl and obviously just having a girl and boy like they're they are very different but temperamentally, they're also very different. They're, one of them's very emotional. One of them, the other one's very independent. Um, and they have, you know, some similarities, obviously. But um, I think temperament makes a difference because you sometimes have to parent them a little bit different because what works oh, yeah. for one kid does not work for the other kids. So. And you know what? The one that uh, is really similar to me triggers me most. <laughs> I think I get her, but still I'm not able to connect to her that much. So that's interesting. They're all different. Yeah, they're all different. And in the middle one is the calm and uh, introspective child. So the older and the youngest are fighting. They're uh, so um, passionate, emotional, and she's in the middle, just grounding them. Yeah. So that's good. Got to be a three. That's got to be a three girls thing because I, I'm actually one of three. I'm the middle child. My older and my younger sister constantly argue about things and I'm trying to like keep, I was like the, pe like the peacemaker trying to keep the peace, like, you know, say a couple jokes in between. So that's, uh, that's yeah. a dynamic to have. Um, you mentioned something about being triggered with like having very similar temperaments. That's a really interesting thing because I also, I think just in having children, you're like trying to constantly understand them and be better parents and do things differently. And I've learned things about myself through the parenting journey and then how to address that in my child. And so it's interesting when you say, the things that, you know, you find in yourself are challenging to almost work through because you see it externally. So how do you, exactly. like, do you have an example of that? And can you share how you manage it or maybe don't manage it at times? Oh, how I manage it. That's difficult. What I see in my oldest child is that she always tries to be fair and uh, she looks uh, for all things to be fair all the time. Oh, my sister watched 20 minutes of TV. I need to watch. 20 minutes too. Everything has to be exactly equally shared. So um, that's something I experience. And uh, my husband is always saying, 
the world is not fair. You cannot uh, expect everything to be fair all the time. So I am trying to just manage that within myself and be a role model for my child. Yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely relate to that. Even today, as an example, we had a field trip and they both have field trips, but they're in, they're in the same school, but different classes. So the younger children went today, but because they're younger, their parents have to chaperone with them and drive them to the place. And the older ones get to drive, get to ride on a school bus and get to the, um, there's an orchard, like, you know, berry picking. And this morning was really challenging because he was going to be home in the morning because I had to drive him separately. And the older one had to go to school. And she knows that her field trip is the following week. But she's like, well, he gets to stay home longer. And he gets mm. to be for an extra hour. And, you know, and so the, it's, you know, it's definitely I can see that happening. And it is really challenging because we try to negotiate or like try to like have some logic. She's very logical. And okay, well, you've got something, we'll explain it next week and stuff. But um, you're right. Sometimes it's just, I, I like to use the fur, like, phrase, it's not equal, but it's fair. Because things that are fair aren't always equal. Um, I love that. To reframe it. So that sometimes works for us. And we'll constantly give examples of having something that's you know, it's, it's, I don't know if you've ever seen that picture of, I don't know, some, maybe some kids or something, and you can see them all at the same heights. But when you look underneath the hood or like behind, they're all on step stools of different sizes. Mm. And so you see them all equal, but they each had a different height to get them there. So it's just kind of a, an interesting visualization to see. Yes. Yeah. Remind yourself, okay. It is fair, but it's not equal. <laughs> so I love that. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going to use that. Yeah, great. Um, and so then, so uh, that's a really good example. I like that um, in terms of just managing it. I think it's challenging to manage our own. I, I find it difficult if there's something that like we're dealing with ourselves. It's so hard to stay regulated in a moment where mm -hmm. something, boom, you know, somebody's screaming at you or something. And then you want to be able to be the model, right? You want to be able to model it. But how do you model something when you're already dysregulated? Like how do you manage it? Do you leave? Do you do you tap into your reserves, into that expanded capacity that you have? What do you do? Oh, I like to go to the other room and take a deep breath and just remind myself of what are my intentions here? What do I want to achieve in this whole situation? Do I do I want to teach? Do I want to show compassion? Do I want to achieve what I wanted to make them do? So I try to ground myself because uh, my energy will influence theirs when I get involved in the whole thing, in the conflict. So that's an important step because if we don't do that, we are going to erupt like a volcano. And it's not going to help. Definitely. I mean, anyone. it's like not our nice moments, but it, I feel like that happens and it is really challenging to come back from that. And I think learning how to repair the relationship after you had an eruption is so important because we're not perfect and we're never going to be cool and collected 100% of the time. Of so. course, of course. It still happens a lot of times. I'm still not able to hold it together, but I aim to apologize to them after that. I think that's so important. Yeah, yeah. And just uh, telling them that it's a process that I'm learning how to be a parent, the parent they need. And we are in this together. We are a team. So um, 
everyone can mess up from time to time and then we try to be better next time and they appreciate it yeah and i think that that's really great modeling i really think that the times that i have you know gotten really far where it's like you're patient and you're patient and you're patient and then boom it's just like you know you mm. fall off the cliff and we have you know we try to keep you know we try to have indoor voices inside and no screaming and all that kind of stuff and and sometimes when I do, I'll, I'll scream or, or something and I'll apologize. I'm like, oh, mommy, mommy shouldn't have screamed. I should go take some deep breaths and I'll do it in front of them. And it's so interesting because I I do agree that there is such an appreciation that they have when they see it. Somebody else as, a, as an adult being able to apologize. Because oftentimes we're like, oh, say sorry to your brother. Say sorry to your sister, you know. But when they see an adult do it and to them, it almost helps them move through whatever whatever happened way faster. At least that's my experience. Like as soon as you apologize, and then, you know, I'll get, that's okay, mommy. And it's, it's such a <laughs> sweet thing, you know? <laughs> it's so and, sweet. Uh, yeah, it really is. And, um, and then it helps you move on as well. And you're like, okay, this is part of the, you know, it's like, you know, you have to have humility yourself as a parent. It's like, you know, you're not going to be perfect. And I notice sometimes if I, if I'm able to keep it under, I'll go take some deep breaths, but I do it in front of them. Close my eyes. And I can see in the corner of my eye, my oldest will also start taking deep breaths. Cause usually it's like his younger brother is like screaming in the background and that's like working us all up. And, um, and it calms her down too. And it's just, it, it rubs off. Like your the energy is like what you're saying. It's like your energy yeah, does really yeah. rub off on somebody. So that's, that's really amazing. So they talk to me about, okay, so number two comes along. It sounds like they're swimming along and they're, you know, they're, there's not a lot of ton of jealousy and they're all getting together. And then number three comes along. How did you manage that just in terms of the number of children? I mean, at that point, you probably have young children and, you know, under five and you have a third one on the way. What was the biggest change for you or the, or the biggest challenge? I was just tired of having little babies. That was challenging, taking care of the feeding and uh, not sleeping at night and that it just depends on you so much so that was hard and the biggest challenge for me was that I didn't pursue any career during that time so I was missing a life outside parenting that was uh, something I felt that I'm not in my full capacity because I'm not uh, growing as a mm, professional that was uh, the thing that I was missing. So, but I tried to enjoy having the third baby because I knew that's the last one. Yeah. And uh, I I enjoyed it much more after she turned two and became a little more independent. And then I started uh, a business and uh, yeah, things uh, took for the better. So you work, so it sounds like you work now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Outside of uh, being a host uh, uh, of the podcast, uh, I have a podcast. I also uh, have a gig doing uh, book summaries on YouTube. So I'm reading uh, a lot of books and uh, it's it's awesome because I'm learning so much by devouring the, all those books and a lot of them are about parenting. So I was going to say, feeling... what's the genre that you try to, is it a certain genre or do you get to pick the books or? I get to pick the books. Uh, it's uh, mostly uh, autobiographies of successful people. 
personal development books and yeah, parenting books. So it's focused on just uh, getting a better version of yourself and trying to teach your children how to be one. So that's my focus. How long have you been doing that? Uh, it's been it's been like five years. Yeah, okay. already. So you must have read a ton of books by now. <laughs> yeah. So what do like, you have any favorites? So it sounds like you do a lot of parenting. What's your like favorite parenting? It doesn't have to be one, but because I can never pick one if somebody asks me what's your favorite. Um, and maybe a personal development thing. I have a lot of favorites, but I can recommend uh although not a parenting book, uh the book by Hal Elrod. Uh, the Miracle Morning for Parents and Families. And what I like about it is that it's a wonderful mix between a self-care routine and uh, personal development practice. And as a mom, I truly believe that we should have a self-care routine in order to keep our sanity. And also it influences the, the way we raise our kids. And in this book, because Hal Erod has a lot of books about the miracle morning, but in this particular one, he addresses uh, the hardships most parents have to stay consistent with the morning ritual and just gives uh, creative solutions to deal with these hardships. I love that you said that because I'm very familiar with Hal Elrod. And it's interesting. I've, I've talked to another mom who also who also was very familiar with the Hal Elrod books. And so for those that don't know, Hal Elrod is an author who came out with a book this is a little plug for him <laughs> because I I, he, he, I I came across him in like 2019. Uh, I think actually listening to a podcast of some random thing he was on, I'm like, just read this book. And uh, I read just the original Miracle Morning. And it is about essentially that morning practice of waking up early and doing something for yourself and like, you know, developing yourself and getting calm and all this kind of stuff. And um, I'm going to read the parent because I haven't read the parenting one. But I totally agree that if you're able to just wake up even just a little bit early, if you, especially if you have young children, like even just like waking up 15 minutes before they wake up, you're all of a sudden not like reacting to something you're responding. And I am, I am not a morning, like, you know, I'm not a morning person. I like to sleep in. I like to have my sleep in. Um, but when I was actually getting up early and taking the 10 minutes or five minutes, sometimes I would, you know, it'd be an hour. It, it makes such a difference in your whole day because you have this lower level of cortisol because you don't wake up instantly and like, oh, I've got to make breakfast or, oh, I've got to, you know, or you have a child that wakes up and, and it's, it's so amazing. And so definitely agree. Everybody should read this book. It's very, it's just such an easy read too, which I love it. Like at least the, the regular, the, the, the yeah. The same with the um, other one. Yeah. yeah. And just waking up before the kids, that's that's the point. You can always feel the difference and doing something for yourself. Yes. Like, yeah. So have you been consistent? I've been an on and off for years, uh, but I can definitely say that when I'm doing it regularly, it shows and my family can feel that. Right. So, yeah. It totally dissipates. And it's it's funny because I had read that book and then I told my husband about it and he read it and he was, he's actually always been a morning person, but then for a period of years in between. He stopped waking up early. He's like, I don't know what happened. He started doing it again. And instantly you do, you feel this like level of like, he's more energetic. I'm more energetic. We're happy. Like we're really happier, but we're maybe happier, but you know, it's just, you're, you're like in a much calmer state and you can respond to things. So if you have young children, it's almost the opposite of what I feel like people with young children, like want to do like, what you're going to wake up early. Like I'm already sleep deprived, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, 
and, and it is really hard, but even, even just five minutes, actually, like if you can get up and like brush your teeth before, because some days I swear, like I'll wake up and it'll be half a day. I'm like, oh, I didn't even like wash my face or brush my, because it's like you get, especially when you have really tiny children and you're just constantly, you know, re- reacting to them. Um, you forget yeah. to do basic things when you, and you talk about self-care, just the basics are part of self-care. Like, you know, yeah, and reading a book feels like a luxury when you're taking care of the baby. So yeah, just a few pages and you start your morning with a feeling that, hey, yeah, I have done something for myself, something important. So that's a great start. And actually, there's one more book I would like to recommend. It's called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Families by Stephen Covey. It's safe to say that that's the foundation of my parenting approach. Uh, it's focused on uh, the values we want to instill in our children. And many people don't know that, but uh, he was the father of nine. And this is this is a different book but for the families because uh, the highly effective people, that's the most uh, uh, popular one. But the other one is just uh, sp- on a spin on how uh, Stephen Covey and his wife uh, implemented the seven habits in their own family. So it's very different from the other one. Okay, because the other one's like a bit more business kind of, I feel like, related. And this one, you said seven habits of highly effective parents. Is that what you said? Fam- families. Families. Oh, effective families. Ah, okay. Check that <laughs> out too. So how long does it take you to read a book? Depends on the book. Some books are very easy to read, but I have to do it in a week and create the content after that because <laughs> that's... Uh... So you summarize the books and then... Uh, create an animated video. Wow. <laughs> oh, that's like a whole different thing. Okay, so you're actually wow. How do you do that? This is go- this this conversation just got very interesting because what? <laughs> yeah, that's a niche on YouTube. People like to just get the takeaways. You know, yeah. why should I read a book when I can get a takeaways for ten minutes? And if there's a picture, you tend to remember more. Mm-hmm. So if yeah, you're trying to create a whole uh, you, movie, you draw around these it. things, or do you? How do you, is it? No, it's a software. You create the scenes. Oh wow, that's super interesting. I never even knew that was a thing. Um, <laughs> cool. So I'm gonna totally check that out. So those are I I love those um, the recommendations. So those are really great recommendations. Um, so it sounds like you read a lot, and that's maybe part of your own self care routine. And yeah, I love to read. That's great. So then. You know, as the kids, as your kids get older, it sounds like they're generally all getting along, but inevitably there's always conflict with. Inevitably, yeah. Yeah. And there are like periods of uh, peace and quiet, and then there are like years of uh, (laughs) conflict. But uh, I've learned to, like, I changed my mindset around that. And I now see conflict as valuable because it's an opportunity for them to practice their problem-solving skills at home uh, in a safe space with their what siblings. What did you think about it before, before you changed your mindset? Uh, I hated it. I was like, uh, I want to have a uh, happy and successful family where everybody gets along but then I realized that no relationship is without a struggle. And there's a whole process, a whole learning process that's required in order to attain that outcome of peace and quiet. And we have to all learn together. And uh, just uh, there, the kids are trying to have their needs met. 
and trying to communicate their needs. And that's what they're doing. And uh, our responsibility as parents is not to control that dynamic and determine the outcome of their struggles with each other, right? Our job is to support them and to uh, give them the opportunity to acquire these problem-solving skills while holding, establishing and holding boundaries, because that's important too. So I guess, is there something in particular that your kids tend to fight about more often or like you hear them in their ears of, okay, it's getting escalated. <laughs> is it always it's something in particular? It's, it's mostly small stuff, but it always is uh, the one starts doing uh, playing with a toy or uh, starts uh, just occupying a space. <laughs> and then the other one wants to, to do, the same do thing. exactly the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And the noise level gets uh, higher and I'm already triggered because I have very low capacity for loud noises. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, but now I've adopted a framework that I work with once that, uh, once I feel that's going to happen and it, the, yeah, it's already better. So so what do you do? So let's say your kids are, you know, one person took a toy and they're like, I want to do this. And they start screaming. Uh, that's what that's 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 the that's the case in my house. I mean, I've got a two and a five year old. And it's like whatever, whatever that person, even if they're like in the corner doing something different, as soon as they take something out. Oh, no, I want that. <laughs> so it's a revolving it's a, it's a circular it's a circular thing so how what what do you do with those circumstances so the first thing is that uh i try not to get involved when i'm not needed so i let them try to practice the skills they already have and then if uh, i'm still needed so it, if it escalates then i ground myself <laughs> first before I uh, go to them. And then I just uh, say, hey, what's up? What's happening? I see uh, loud, uh, I hear loud voices. I see something's happening. And just, I give them a chance that uh, everyone says what's going on without uh, being interrupted. Uh, so we listen to each other. And even that helps them uh, regulate themselves. Yeah, because just being heard. They, They're just like being yeah, heard. just being yeah. heard. And um, then I tell them that uh, they can find a solution by themselves. Why don't we think of something that uh, we all agree on? And I, because they're older, like they're nine and seven, uh, I try to let them do it by themselves. I leave the room and let them problem solve. Usually it works. Sometimes it doesn't. So I get back in and uh, give recommend, uh, recommendations. We can do that or uh, we can leave the toy for now until everybody's calm. Uh, we can do something else together or whatever. And uh, yeah, the good thing is that they don't get physical. So that's not something I need to deal with. But it helps just uh, showing them that uh, uh, they're having a tough time. The situation is difficult because so many times parents are trying to um, tell them that, oh, that's something small. Don't get upset about that. It's nothing so important, but it's important for the kids. That's something they care for, care about. So showing appreciation for the difficulty. Uh, it's good. Yeah, I, I was just writing down, you know, I think um, I agree. I think when you 
are able to just, because I've started implementing this. So I, I have very similar styles in the sense of if they're five, and my kids are younger, but um, so it's five-year-old, she understands a little bit more, but the two-year-old, but even then, you know, you can negotiate with them. I think that, you know, kids actually have a pretty big capacity to understand, but I found that instead of, it's, it's really easy to assume and to almost um, place, not blame, but to like, you should know better, right? You're the bigger, you're the older kid, right? Like, and I think that that is, um, it can lead to so much, A, it can lead to misunderstanding because sometimes it's not, it's it's not always the bigger kid, right? It's it's the little one that comes and steals something else. And it's like, and then there's this, uh, I think as parents, it's just, oh, well, just give it to your little brother. Just give it to your little mm. sister. You know? And I think that that is, um, it, I don't want to say harmful because it's, not, I don't want to like place a, a judgment on anything, but I feel like it's for the, for the child when they're constantly feeling like they're not being heard because they're older. Like, I feel like it's putting almost like too much responsibility. And it's like, just like you said, if you go into a room and allow each person to say, okay, what happened? So we started doing this, um, you know, we'll, and we don't intervene unless if we hear some banging around or something <laughs> will go in there, you know, but usually they're pretty, usually it's they're fighting over some toy or somebody took took some toy or something. And, and so if that's the habit and, it, and it's clearly escalating, we'll go in and do very something similar. Um, it used to, I think we've evolved and it used to be, we sort of assumed that it was always my older one, but if you just watch them and you're, if you, it's so helpful to just watch kids interact without saying or doing anything, just so you can see the dynamic like play out. Um, but I'll come in and I'll say, what happened? You tell me what happened. And then I'll turn around to the other kid. You tell me what happened. And they'll say opposite things, right? Like they'll, oh, she took it first. I'll take it first. And then we'll repeat it. And I think just repeating what they say feel instantly, they make, they feel heard because it's like, oh, well, he took my toy. I'm like, and then she'll say, she took my toy. I'm like, oh, you feel like she took your toy. And then, uh, oh, you feel, and she, they're like, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that in and of itself, like takes it from a 10 to like a five. And then once they're a little bit calmer, cause you now somebody's like heard them and repeated them. Um, cause even as an adult, right. If you say something, you complain or you'd say something and somebody says, yeah, I can, you know, they're just, they're just repeating. They're just reflecting what you say, but it feels, it feels like you're un being understood in that moment. And, um, and then they can get to, okay, well, what, sh what should we do? What, you know, and you're right. Like a lot of times they'll just come up with the solution. We've been implementing also sometimes my older one, she'll, you know, she'll want something. And, um, and I'm like, that's not, you know, that's not really going to work. She's like, well, why, you know? And I'm like, well, we have to find a mutually something that's mutually beneficial for both of us. And so if you don't agree to it, then that's not a solution. And this is obviously in things that are not, you know, life or safety things. But if it's, you know, I don't know, some example, I feel like we had a recent example of why can't I go to sleep late or something? I don't know. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you know, so and we've started, you know, almost negotiating, but negotiating so it works for both of us. Because I think when kids start saying, well, I want this. And then as a parent, I'm like, okay, you know, I'll, just, I'll relent to some degree. But knowing that it has to work for both, you come up with a lot more creative solutions because... And kids are so creative, I've noticed. They are. They're yeah. so creative. They're just, they can come up with everything. Um, so I, I like, because um, I wrote, I wrote down when you were talking, like not, not being dismissive. And by 
by hearing somebody out and repeating what they say, you're essentially not making what they what they told you is not small, right? Like it doesn't matter how teeny it is. If you just out, they don't feel dismissed and they feel heard. And I think that that's a really important skill to like teach not only to for them, but to also teach them to have for other people. Because even when you grow up as an adult, it's a skill that translates. When somebody's coming to you and they complain about something, it's really easy to be like, oh, that's not a big deal. Look at all this other stuff that's happening, right? You know, and that feels so dismissive. So I think just being heard is so important. Yeah. Although we are trying to this with good intentions to cheer the person up, but so often, oh yeah, we just need to be hurt. It's, I just think it goes such a long way. So, so then outside of your kids, having children, I think is a pretty big life event from a relationship standpoint. You mentioned at the top of the interview that um, you were happily married. So how did having, how did going from one to two to three children impact your relationship? And what kind of things do you guys do to make sure that it is, remains happy and healthy and, you know, <laughs> and solid? <laughs> hmm. What's our secrets? Yeah. I haven't really <laughs> thought about that. <laughs> we had some difficulties after having the second one because we were both just exhausted at some point. But in our relationship, it tends to go this way, that hardships just make makes uh, make us closer. We tend to bond and to get over it. I don't know. We don't have a date night that's something that comes to mind but we don't do it <laughs> uh, but maybe we just uh, talk to each other all the time openly he shares what's bothering him at work I share what's going on with my business and the kids and we just talk through everything he's my Probably best friend you have Oh, that's so sweet. So you guys are really big communicators. I think sounds like you have a foundational, you talk every night and, and yeah, so. just, uh, it's a high level of trust and an open communication. I'm glad you said trust. It's so interesting. Cause I feel like, especially to like the younger, the younger generation, and I think you learn things as you get older, right? It's just the natural path of life. But I heard this somewhere. It's like, you know, you have to fall into respect and trust versus falling in love. Because if you trust and you respect somebody, that can hold so much more water than, um, than you know, just this, perf- I don't want to say just love, because obviously love is important. But I think a big component of love is trusting somebody and respecting them. Because respect, if you lose respect for one another, you're just going to mis- you're, you're going to mistreat each other, you're going to, you know, mistrust one another. And it's really corrosive to a relationship so I think that it's great that you say that you like trust one another because I think that is like the bedrock of any of any relationship your friendships you know family relationships like if you don't trust one another what do you have so that's great 17 years well congrats that's that's awesome that's um that's amazing so so what kind of fun things do you guys do as a family as a family of five you have do you guys go on trips together how how I have two and it's like a lot so (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well, we like to work out together because we are all uh, sports enthusiasts. <laughs> and so we have a Saturday morning. We all go to the swimming pool and uh, uh, the kids have their practice. We swim and then there's a cold plunge, sauna, sauna and we a spend cold plunge? Uh, yeah, three oh, hours man. there. Oh, gosh. So how cold is the water here? Like, I know you're probably in centigrade, so... <laughs> 
I'll do the I'll do the conversion, but uh, fourteen degrees. I don't know what that's in Fahrenheit, but fourteen cold. degrees. I will Celsius. translate that to cold. <laughs> so, you, so you jump in and and then you go into a sauna. Is that how this works? Yeah, we uh, do each three times. So cold, warm, cold, warm, and then. Oh wow! And your kids do this too. Yeah, they're so excited watching us do it. They've grown into it too. And it's very healthy. It's good for your uh, immune system. So um, exposing the body to very low temperatures and then it uh, warms up itself and then to high temperatures. It's uh, the extremes are good. So like acclimate your body to it, it sounds like. And you do that regular. It sounds like you do that regularly. Yeah, every week, once oh, a week. And- and how long, so how long are you in this cold pool for? Just a couple of seconds or like? Oh, we aim for a minute, minute or two. Oh, wow. Uh, but the kids stay. Uh, Do they stay like, longer? <laughs> no, no, no. They stay like 15 seconds or something. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but still, it's a very uncomfortable feeling. <laughs> but is this a common thing in Bulgaria? Like where you do the, or the just? No, 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 no. Uh, it's very uh, popular, I think, in the States. And uh, a lot of uh, fitness guys do it as uh, a way to... I see to... people do the plunge thing. And uh, again, I live under a rock sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> that is so interesting. Oh, And how long have you guys been doing that? A few months. Uh, but before that, there were other sports. And we're always trying to include the kids in some healthy routines we also like to play board games our favorite one is monopoly because of course investing (laughs) we're trying to teach them early on some valuable skills that uh, they're going to need and that's all of my podcast is about what we want to teach our kids so we try to incorporate that in our family life well that's a great segue so tell us about you know you you mentioned you're a host of a podcast tell us about your podcast what you're um what you're sharing with people i know you you i've listened to some of your episodes and they're really great i love that you're what you're teaching and what you're putting out there so tell people how they can find you and what your podcast is all about so the podcast is called unlock your child's full potential And in conversations with other moms, I explore questions like, uh, when you think of the future of your your children, what do you see? Uh, What what values do you hope they have? Uh, What skills do you want them to possess? Uh, And what lessons do you want to teach them so they can avoid the same struggles that you had? I aim to leave my listeners with some specific tools they can put into practice and just help the moms uh, help them be the moms their children need them to be so i'm also on instagram at your child's full potential and the best way to find me to reach me is my website unlockyourchildsfullpotential.com great we'll put all the stuff in the show notes and i'm curious if you have what is i'm going to flip the script on you all this and do you have um what was the struggle that you had that you're trying to um I guess, not have your own children go through. I'm a perfectionist. Still, I'm struggling with that. So I aim to uh, teach my kids to make mistakes on purpose, to celebrate their mistakes and just take action because that's uh, all we need to do. Uh, Act before we are ready to, because then clarity comes from action. And just... uh, 
trying to make everything perfect before you act is uh, a recipe for failure because you never you never start yeah no that's great and you know it, talking we were talking about book recommendations i have a book recommendation you may have already read it but uh, my kids are obviously smaller but there's this book called the beautiful oops i don't know if you've heard of that um your kids are your kids are probably way older because it's a board book but it's a um it's a book that's all about oopses and in the it's an interactive book where you know a drop a spill of paint and it shows you what a spill of paint can become or a crumpled up paper and it's it's tactile so like you know they'll scrunch up the paper and a ripped paper and they show it could be you know and they made it into an animal and so the whole book um it's a really beautiful book and my I just I, I recently purchased it and my my daughter loves it because she is she, she has this perfectionism um, trait in her. And even like the teachers have noticed it. And it's like, she really, she really wants every, and so they're working on that because that can, you know, I think, and I, I guess I am the same person. Like I'm as well, like everything had to be so perfect or I would, I would like when I was younger, I would write a, I would write a whole page and I would mess up one thing and I would like rewrite the whole thing because I didn't want it to look, you know, <laughs> ugly. And so, um, I, I can't tell you how many times I rewrote things. And so, um, so this book is a great book. And um, just to show if, if you have younger children, the the beauty that can come out of an oops and what can come from just, you know, like you said, just keep going with it and look what, look what comes out. And so now I'm recognizing she, she ripped something one day and she would have before totally just been, you know, super disappointed and very frustrated. And now she's like, it's an oops. And so it really like <laughs> just, you know, there's a connection point there. So, um, I, so I recommend that book for, for, for folks that are, have young kids. Um, it's a beautiful book. Awesome. Well, thank you for this, um, conversation, Billy. This was such a great conversation. And I do, there's a segment that we do in season two, that's called, what do other people do? So it's a chance for, um, me to ask you questions and then for me to answer the same questions. So I get to be in the, in the interviewee seat. So for this segment, um, and it fits right in with what we were talking about today. Um, so the first question is, what do you do when your kids fight, argue, or take things from each other? We kind of talked about this already, but. So the main thing is that um, we accept that conflict is valuable and we don't try to interrupt. We just let them practice their problem solving skills. I'm trying to regulate myself and breathe deep and just let it be. That's great. That, that was going to be my second question. Do you, do you find yourself dysregulated? And then what do you do when that happens? Yeah, I remind myself to stay calm because uh, often the issue is bigger in my head than it is in reality. Kids move on so fast and like nothing happens. And we are the one left with the uneasiness that the situation could have been handled better. And questions like, uh, was I too harsh with my daughter? Or did I really help uh, my younger daughter when I rescued her like that? So it's uh, in our heads. We have to change our mindset about around conflict. Is that, does that, and I'm, does that take you a long time? I mean, it sounds like you're practicing this. And so do you find it getting easier? Like when you're able to, I don't know if you remind yourself inside your head or if you're saying this out loud, because sometimes you just can't get, I mean, I'll, I'll try it. But it's just like, can't shake the feeling of whatever this is. 
<laughs> whatever is this that's why i uh leave the room <laughs> to separate myself i know it's good to show them to model the breathing and calming but sometimes you're just not able to hold it so <laughs> yeah remove yourself from the scene yeah yeah so so my i guess my answers to those questions what do you do when your kids fight S similar we we kind of just let them be to, to most for the most part and then if it escalates we will come in and we'll ask them each to give them each a chance to be heard what happened and then we'll give them the opportunity to try to resolve it themselves and if they can't it's something like a toy or something sometimes we do just remove it and we'll say let's play with something else or until you guys can figure out the move. And that tends to like calm things down um and like you said people they, they move on five minutes later you know they're playing together and you know <laughs> doing something different um and then the second one of you know do you find yourself dysregulated what do you do um definitely find myself dysregulated and i find it happens more often when i'm when I haven't grounded myself in the morning or if I've had a rushed morning. So I think how you start your day definitely impacts how quickly I can get dysregulated, especially with noise, with like, you know, if, if it's been a very hectic day, the amount of noise is, even if it's positive, like my husband loves music and I love music too, but when they're like screaming kids and he'll, he'll try to put on music to regulate himself. That's very dysregulated. I'm like, there's so much input. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. Yeah. Too much input. I'm like, and, and so I'll shoot him a look and I'm like, no, you got to turn it off. And so it's interesting because we do have, you know, we have things that are on opposite ends. And so when I ask him to turn it down, that almost dysregulates him because he needs that thing to to like calm down my husband uh puts his earbuds and then he's out and then he's like good yeah that's not yeah. the way to do it actually um i i think changing i think leaving the room is a helpful tip because oftentimes if you do erupt in front of your kids when it 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 and often it is internal it's nothing that is happening externally it's all internal so leaving the room has and i have done that um before and sometimes i'll just turn around go to a corner, <laughs> take a deep breath. And um, I, I like what you said earlier, though, about asking yourself, what is your objective? I think that is a really, um, I like that takeaway, because I think if you're able to in that moment, just say, okay, what is, what am I trying to do? Is the point to like, make her do something? Or is it to do or to get to this point? And I think if you can just like reframe it very quickly in your brain, then that will like calm you down. So I'm definitely going to take that into and, and take that into our own um, family dynamics and, and see if that helps. So, so this was great. Thank you so much, Billy. Um, I appreciate you taking the time and um, sharing your, your journey and your, and your parents' story. Thank you for having me, Rashida. It was a pleasure. Well, that's a wrap. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Billy and learned something and took some things away. I know I did. And so I wanted to summarize my takeaways from my conversation. Number one, ask yourself what the objective is. When things get stressful and very tense, sometimes just taking a step back and asking yourself, what is it that I'm trying to do will actually help you reframe the whole situation with your children. So if there's a tantrum or if there's an argument, it's just very helpful. Number two, self-care routine. We talk about this in a lot of different aspects, but one of them is just being able to wake up early. If you're even able to get up five minutes earlier before your kids get up, it can make a profound difference of how you are through the day. And number three, 
is changing our mindset about conflict. You know, Billy talked about how conflict is valuable and how she shifted her own mindset around the importance of conflict. And that conflict was an opportunity to practice problem solving skills for their kids, right? She let her kids deal with it and practice their skills. And that brings me to being able to regulate yourself and being heard. When you are heard and you're not dismissive of your kids' issues, right? Whether you think they're irrelevant or small or teeny, just giving them the space to say what they feel is regulating in and of itself. And lastly, encourage your kids to make mistakes, make it fun. I talk about um, a book that we read called uh, The Beautiful Oops. And having kids understand that making mistakes are a part of life is critical. It helps with the perfectionism concept that Billy had talked about. You know, she herself is working on that. And I think that that is great. I think that we all can work on our abilities to understand and really harness the like mistakes, knowing that that's a part of life, knowing failures. I think I've heard it's to fall forward, right? It's just another way to grow and learn. So those were my takeaways. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show, rate it, review it. Those things really matter and helps us get the podcast out to many more listeners. And hopefully we can keep the conversation going. So until next time, happy connecting.